to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about in-laws in the Enneagram. We're also going to be giving some additional tips about moving. And no, I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek about you moving away from the in-laws, but I do want you to know this was a requested topic. And because we do have so many ebbs and flows within the in-law seasons, I definitely wanted to include this too. Also make sure that you leave a review at Apple Podcasts. So thankful that we're getting to the 100,000 level of listens and also to the 10,000 mark on our Instagram so that we can now have our swipe up features with merch and fun things. So be looking out for that and our glow, which we're really excited about and finishing up now. So that is a fun process and project. We always have projects going on at Enneagram and Marriage because we have myself and often involved with other sevens on the projects. And my husband, who's a one, has a lot of seven relationship too. So we have a lot of fun with ideas, but we really want them to come out great. So we love that there's so much community involvement. And even today's episode, we're going to hear from you guys. So thank you. Leave a review and keep sharing because I love doing the research with you guys. I also briefly, before we get started want to say hope you had a great sweetest day something we did is we took these weekends with Wes to have one-on-ones with our son and some friends with their sons and then our daughters which was their first daddy daughter trip with their dad and some of their friends and they were phenomenal trips but we were just talking this morning about how we still get caught up sometimes with doing too much and missing each other and so luckily in two weeks we have our anniversary redo for just the two of us locally because of COVID, we're just going to stay really close to the kids and their godmother is going to come over. But that's really something that I wanted to remind you guys of because this in-law topic can be a murky one. So don't forget to be intentional about your marriage in this season of, wow, we're busy. And I think most people are. We've already talked a lot about how we're more anxious and depressed as a culture right now. We've already talked about how we're on our tech way more now. So Wes and I have had to have intentional conversations to say, hang on, we could really be in danger of slipping away if we're not more intentional. And here, you know, with my job, we've been intentional. So keep trying to be intentional, set your date nights, get them on the calendar, even if they're at home dates. And now we're going to tune in to our in-law tips that you guys shared with me. And I'm sharing with you not only those tips, but also some other research. And like I said, the Enneagram 9 tips. So starting out with some basic research, I thought you guys would be interested to know, according to Psychology Today, wow, there's a lot of women with mother-in-law issues, or as some say, monster-in-law. And I hope you don't say that, but unless you're totally kidding, but I get it that sometimes you feel that. And Dr. Yvonne Fulbright says that there's actually a 60% with women, 15% with men feeling upset by in-law situations. And I've certainly seen this so much with clients and I have had clients of every type talk about in-laws. So I'm excited as we get into type by type, but I just wanted to start with these wow stats that really blew me away that this is not something that is rare or a once in a while issue. And in fact, there's also research saying that one fourth of women actually have a terrible relationship with their mother-in-law. So if that's you, I also want you to understand you're not alone, but that there's hope. And so that's why I'm like, I need to give these because one in four daughters-in-laws are finding their mother-in-laws terrible and despising them. So that can ultimately destroy your relationship if you stop to kind of take this pan out view of your spouse growing up 
and their parents giving them some good things, but not every good thing, but nurturing them to a point, maybe nursing them, maybe giving them a bottle, maybe putting them in the playpen like I've talked about. Whatever they were doing, they were doing their best in many cases. And so when we pan out and we see that and we see them from a compassionate place, we're able to put them back in as humans, as fallen, broken humans with their own background and generational issues versus just an evil one generation, one dimensional black and white view evil mom-in-law, evil dad-in-law. So let's start there because I don't think we'll get anywhere else except for complaining if we don't start there. So we're going to give them that grace. And I think we're giving ourselves that grace too a little more easily in most cases that we are also broken doing our best with our generational issues, trying to give this next gen a great chance and ourselves a great chance. And I will probably share this post on Instagram this week. It's probably the perfect timing for it. I wrote a post a long time ago and I was waiting for the right time to share it and left it in my drafts, but about the Moses generation. It's just a word that I don't know if anyone else has used this, but I think of the Moses generation as we have historically the Israelites leaving Egypt. And it's a journey that it's a brave journey. Frankly, it's a hard journey. And it's a journey that some of you are probably taking as you're saying, gosh, we have some huge generational stuff in the past. Maybe I even left a past toxic relationship where it was too big, or my spouse has a very big generational issue and we're trying to cross the de- we're crossing the desert right now, trying to get to the promised land and it's exhausting and it's hard. And so I want to make sure you guys have plenty of provisions while you're crossing so that you know what to do, because I love the work you're doing. And frankly, sometimes you're pointing your children to the promised land and you might not get there yourself fully because you're like, I'm torn with trauma, but I'm going to get you one step farther. And my ceiling is going to be your floor. And I just think that's one of the most beautiful analogies. A client shared that one with me about six months ago, and it just really stuck because it's a beautiful process to be in, in growth and we're all in growth. So let's try to remember this, that we're doing this so that the people we influence will be better watered by us. And that sometimes we're going to be in this place where we're like, I have movement, but it's limited movement because I started farther back than the next gen. So your jobs are going to be not only to find your nurturance and your growth on the journey, but to also enlighten the next group coming after you and to pass that baton. So the first thing I want you to remember is to sit with yourself before you take on your mother-in-law, give yourself a time out where you evaluate the situation and develop a game plan that's the best so that you have thought it out and sought it out. And I remember going to a coach one time, several times actually in our marriage, but even just me one time working with a phone coach and saying, here's my strategy. Here's my game plan. What do you think of it? And I felt like it was so helpful and not only validating to me, but also the coach was able to do that. What I just started with you on and remind me of some things I didn't want to hear, grr, but also just say, Hey, here's your places of just generational work. You're going to probably have to do. Here's some reminders. But the best part of that was even more than the session for me was just sitting there and processing. And she was part of that. But really, that just takes you to sit in your car or with a notepad and say, I'm going to sit with myself before I delve into the next discussion or visit with a difficult person that's an in-law for me so that you can work on yourself and what you can do. And that really can do quite a bit. 
The next tip is don't have any expectations for your in-laws to be a certain way. And that's an important tip because there's so many of us who have, I mean, absolutely star and rose colored glasses on when we think about things for better and for worse. Sometimes that term can be a bit ubiquitous because it's like, do you mean that I see things rosy or do you think that I'm seeing things dark? So I guess we could take it either way. But what I'm really trying to get at for you guys is try to have a realistic understanding of your in-laws and the fact that they're probably not going to change and shift that much in your lifetime. When you meet them, you think, this is me anyway. I'm so giving myself away here, but I remember for so long thinking that I was going to change my husband. At first, I thought it was going to be just slumber parties every night and total PG slumber parties with popcorn and jammies. And (laughs) that was ridiculous and silly, but it was fun. And we still do have fun together. So it was a fun imagination. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll change him. And he's not this way all the time, but I'm going to change him. That shouldn't be too hard. And then I think I did that same thing with extended family on both sides. And you have this Jesus figure in the family. Sometimes you see this in adult children of alcoholics. You find out that there's a person who's going to be the martyr. And then there's going to be the partier. And there's all these different roles that we play. And we've worked this with our Enneagram, right? We know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I think that that was the role that you can play and that I played for a while. And what's even better is just saying these people have their limited movements. They're probably doing their best. And so instead of trying to live out that hallmarky kind of illusion, contemplate with how you can work with the way things are. And here's the good news. At least you do know the way things are mostly. You've figured things out and you've got a handle on things and they're probably not changing. One of the pivotal memories I think of in our marriage was I thought that I was doing some really important work with Wes on a certain topic. And I rem- and here I am sounding like I was trying to be a therapist to him at this time. And I probably was. And it really shifted me. So sometimes we don't see a big shift in others, but we do in ourselves. Because I was like, I'm trying to do this for you. I've been working so hard for these years on this. This was about 10 years ago. And he said to me, I don't want you to do that work on me. I like this situation. And I was just blown away. I thought we were on the same team and that I was working together with him and giving him space to like let go of generational patterns. And here he's like, this is my tribe. This is my people group. And you are too, but I definitely love these parts of this tribe. And it really helped me at about age 30 to understand that about him. And then sometimes you have to grieve things where you're like, things are hard. And I wish our in-laws and our parents both were perfect. And I wanted to change everybody. I wanted to change you. And instead, you just have to say, this is the way it is. And like Mandalorian, this is the way. And just understand you don't have to get their approval, but you don't have to try to change everybody. So that's the second tip. The next tip is I do like the idea of you, especially you body types, trusting your instinct when you feel that you or your family are not safe. I've had some regrets about this and I've known others who have as well where you're thinking, okay, I just want to people please, or it, maybe it isn't that important. And it is a really important issue where you really do need to fight for yourself. Maybe it's something like you knew that you weren't going to be handling your temper well if you didn't get some sleep or your anxiety was going to go up, but you compromise that. And then you had a terrible blowout with your spouse the next day. Or maybe it's something with the in-laws where you said to yourself, this or that one's an alcoholic and I won't be allowing them to babysit. And then you let them. Now, 
Now, I don't know the extremes that you're dealing with, but I want you to understand that if your intuition sounds the alarm, take a listen to it and really tell your spouse, I love you, but I have to do what I think is best in pivotal situations where you might not see it, but I do because I have a little bit more objectivity. And we've done that for each other over the years. My husband has definitely done it with me and I've definitely done it with him, but it's gonna be per marriage. And sometimes your in-laws are just so supportive that it's like, oh, that's really a non-starter. We're doing great. And they don't usually challenge our boundaries. But when they do, I want you to pay attention if you have that still small voice, God's Holy Spirit saying, mm, listen here, this isn't right. Something's stirring in you for a reason. And separate that out if you can from gossip and jealousy. I was so touched that some of you were very candid about that and said on the Enneagram research on Instagram, hey, I struggle with jealousy and I feel bad about that. And that's really important that you understand that that is very normal. And that's probably why there's a good portion of those percents that we saw that people are just like, mom is feeling like daughter-in-law is usurping her role. She's younger and more attractive because she's younger and that's attractive. And there's different kinds of attraction as we get older and there's wisdom, but it's different. And it's not this mom is in the only spot or dad is the only man in daughter's life. There's these people that are taking our place and we feel bad about it. And I'm right before it. My kids haven't started dating yet, but I'm not too far away from that. So I'm starting to understand, which is exciting. And it's just starting. So it's not like there yet, but I'm trying to learn from my clients and from family and friends who have walked these dark places. And I've been so fortunate and blessed to walk with them through these dark valleys where it's not always easy for the other side. And I always looked from the daughter-in-law perspective, but now I'm like, oh, okay. So I have to listen to my intuition and my gut, but I also have to make sure that I'm not gossipy or just simply jealous and creating conflicts that aren't healthy for my spouse. Because if you stop and think about it, honestly, it's better for your spouse in most cases, not all, but in most cases to be spending time with you and extended family and close friends than it is for, say, new people that become their nurturing figures. You don't want them saying, and I have to say it because affairs are so common, that, hey, well, now I'm in an affair. And so you didn't want me to have any relationship to my parents. And they were my number one nurturing figures beside you. And you were so controlling. I'm just trying to tell you this. If you keep limiting your spouse's avenues for support, it can bite you later. So be careful of this. And I've also seen some spouses say it didn't bite them, but it just kind of demoralized them and it made them sad and they felt pathetic and they felt emasculated in male cases sometimes. And in female cases, they felt like their husband was mansplaining things and then a total tyrant. So I think that we can really find our routes better if we're more aware of what's happening in us and could just be honest about it. And that's been very healing for my husband and I, where I've been able to say, for some reason, I can have more grace for this person than for this person. Even knowing their trauma, it's very hard for me to have grace. And so then we could talk it out on a more logical level versus emotional. The fourth tip is being okay with not having your in-laws approval. I know a lot of us struggle with that, especially threes want our in-laws approval. But sometimes no matter how hard you work for it, you're not going to get it. So you do have to understand that finding your approval from them doesn't have to come. It won't make or break your life if they're not feeling like you're their shining son or daughter-in-law and they have their eyes more on their own child. It is natural. And I know that's very frustrating. I've had people say with such anger to me before, it's so unfair. Blood is thicker than water or familial relationships are so unfair because 
no matter how hard I work, they still love their child better. And I just want to remind you that when you have a child or maybe a favorite student, if you're a teacher, a niece or nephew that you're particularly close to, and then another one comes along, they might get in your heart the same way, but it's very natural for that parent to say, wow, I spent all my days with that child for 18 years and then a lot of holidays after that. And we were the best of friends and we did everything together and we just read stories and sang songs at night. And then I was expected to just drop them and forget that we were so close or I was supposed to pick up that daughter or son-in-law with the same exact reverence. And it's something that I want to challenge you in-laws who are older with to say, these people need this and they're they're entering your tribe and they need your support. But I also want to let you know, it's okay. It's actually healthy if they have a strong bond with their own child. And I hope that in time, because there usually is quite a bit of time that you make that place together. But don't try to fake a relationship that isn't there yet or get too upset if your spouse isn't doing everything that you say and that your in-laws, they're not really caring about your performance. They're not really celebrating your great things. The next tip is to make sure that you're assertive. When you have one spouse who is assertive and one isn't, that may be a different route than just always saying this classic thing, which is the spouse who's got the parents should always be the one to deal with those parents and the other one shouldn't. We have to think Enneagram types, people. So I know you're with me on this. Yay. Because we have to realize it's more than just the regular research from Psychology Today and other places. I've mostly done that through the harder years with my father when he was in his harder states. And my mom was always pretty darn sweet. So that was never an issue. In fact, my husband and mom connected so well that he gave me a few extra years with her because he was like, your mom is such a wonderful and wise and godly woman. I'm just drinking it in. So I would sit home with my mom and husband. And we did Bible studies together as I really found my relationship with God again. And so that was very sweet. But during the harder moments with my dad, it wasn't as bad for me to just mostly take it on myself because I was used to that and I'm an assertive type and we were growing up debating all the time. So I was like, dad, and my husband was like, I can't believe you talk to your parents this way. But I was like, this is how we do things here. We get the job done and that's just the way it is. So it was really shocking to him to enter that system, but it's not necessarily because he's not the assertive type my job to say, well, you have to do everything with your family, especially when I see this isn't comfortable for him and it isn't at all what he's used to as a one. So when I need something, I'm assertive with it. And that really works because then people know exactly where I stand and we can compromise. I don't do that all the time. But what I do want you to understand is we don't have to just do the one route. Like it's always got to be that person saying something to their parents. And sometimes like me, you also may have that epiphany somewhere down the road that you're trying to be assertive about things or encourage your spouse to be assertive about things that they don't want. And that's controlling and that's not healthy. So unless there's a safety issue, I really, really, really think your spouse is going to find your love so much more inviting if you also give them some freedom to be themselves and not to force them into a box that you want them to be. So that's really important too. One more tip is avoid stooping to your in-laws level if they take jabs at you, if they say things that undermine you or move things around in your home or make you feel less than or say that your spouse was perfect and you're lucky to have them. There's so many things like that, especially sometimes if you're like, I need to complain about my spouse. This is usually not a great place to do it because 
like I said, they have this bond and a natural, if their kid is going to be hit by a train or a bus or anything with a gun, they're usually going to step in and save that child's life. So it's almost an autonomic nervous system response for them to defend their child. And I just, I'm not even there yet. I'm not saying this because I like it. I'm just kind of letting us all be reminded that this is quite natural. And I want them to work against that too. If you're a mother-in-law listening, I want to let you know, I've worked with families where mother and father-in-laws have done a lot of these things and they have lost rights to their grandchildren. And I've had several grandparents lament with me that they have no rights. This is so sad for them, but it's sometimes these little things that build up and add up. So I definitely always try to look at all angles and not just try to judge one party, but sometimes the inevitable losses that come are terrible because of these traumas that we've built up over the years. So you guys do your work too, if you're a mother-in-law or father-in-law. And then I'm saying that to you who are not there yet. One day you will be, by God's grace, you will be a mother or father-in-law. So what you're going to have to remember is, like I said, to carry that next gen and to be different and to be full of grace and love. And if your son or daughter-in-law says to you, I want to complain about your kid, that you're able to have some wherewithal and say, oh my gosh, like, totally get that about my kid. And because I've done so much Enneagram work with mine, one of the things sometimes I think about with my kids is that I'm like, oh, I'm going to like hand their future spouses like a manual, like Melody's a nine and you're going to need to understand that she needs her sleep or she's going to be a bear and she's got an eight wing. And she was showing me this hilarious meme the other day that was like, oh, don't worry, there's an alarm waiting to go off. And it was so funny, like it said to nines with eight wings, like be ready for it. So I want to like give their spouses all this information. But when I see their spouses, I'm probably gonna have to hold back or they're gonna be like, your mother is completely neurotic. She gave me a manual for how to love you. And I'm like gonna have to not do that. But that's gonna be hard for me. So we're gonna have to really work at it, guys, when we get there. And right now my kids and I are, oh, we're just convinced we're all going to be the best of friends. But sometimes things are very different over the years. So we have to pray for them now. And that was something that really touched me when Wes was talking about how on their father-daughter camping trip, they did the four dads said, girls, let's have a Bible study one of the days in the morning before all the zip lining. And they said, one of these days you're going to be wives and were, you know, one of the dads who's a Lutheran pastor said, I'm already praying for my daughter's future husband and their future relationship regularly. And I just want them to really lay down their lives for each other. And it was really moving to us. So I know some of you are doing that too, and you can be in prayer, but it just made her feel so special. And it made my daughters feel really special just to know that the dads were saying, we want to be great husbands and fathers. So let's also aim to be wonderful in-laws. So I lastly want to make sure that you have trusted people to vent your anger to. And I'm going to give one bonus eighth tip because I also know that we're going to need that one too. But this seventh one is have a way to deal with your anger and finding the people to vent to that you need to. Because what's so important is that you understand sometimes feelings come in and play a big role. And yes, you can do all this great prep with your spouse and say, we're going to take your in-laws on or our in-laws or our parents on like this or that. But then there's a plan B and your spouse goes back into their old role, which we know we do tend to go back into sometimes when we're in our old comfortable environments, right? You're picturing your spouse right now in their grinning, happy child with spaghetti on their face mode. And you're just like, what is this? This isn't my wonderful businessman husband or wife. So it's 
it's really odd, but sometimes it's going to create anger or jealousy and hurt and you need safe people to vent to. And sometimes that safe place is going to be somebody else who can relate about that person. And you're trying not to gossip and you're trying to say, I'm honoring this person and their trauma, but they're difficult. And I think that there is some comfort there sometimes in knowing you're not the only one. I've certainly found that comfort with various people I've struggled with, and that's been hugely a blessing. And when you can give that to your spouse, it's even bigger and better. That can't always be done. Again, I'm trying to help you to understand the bonds are tight. They're actually in place for good reason. But once in a while, I think it's beautiful to be able to say to your spouse, oh, I so get it. And if I can, I'll take the parents on for you or we'll tag team and we'll find our best routes or you're going to go start the car while I ease out of the house. There's so many different ways that we can do this. Sometimes we can travel apart and say, hey, let's take our trip together as a family, but you take a quick weekend trip. There's just a million different routes. So I want you to understand that, but also understand just tag teaming with them can be phenomenal. Like I said, how blessed have I been over the years? And I miss my dad, but I'm glad that while he was here, my husband was able to understand I can fight most of my own battles. But when I really needed him, he would stick up for me. And he was actually better about not just retreating like dad and I could retreat for a while. And Wes would say, you know, it's okay. You know, your dad's not perfect and he disappointed you. But I think we can definitely spend some more time with him. Now, as a one, it wasn't going to be the next minute or the next day. Whereas with my eight dad, it could have been because he's like, once it's out, it's over. But it was also wonderful to have a husband who, after the initial body work was done and he had time to go back to his heart and thoughts, he's like, oh, of course, this is your dad and we'll always include him in our lives. So I thought that was really nice to be able to have a spouse who was actually helping me to do that. Even when my little eight wing would sneak out and I would have those fights, he would be like, oh, this is okay. And, you know, my dad didn't even really like my husband a lot of the time. He always had that eight protector. So sometimes I'm really moved by the fact that Wes had a father-in-law who didn't even really like him all the time. He always knew my dad had a lot of trauma when he was a kid because he didn't have a father really until he was a little older and it wasn't a great situation, but his father was basically dead right after World War II and he fought in it. So it was just one of those situations where as an eight, he was very concerned that others were going to take advantage and he didn't want to be vulnerable. So that was his protective way of walking through the world. And it was quite good that Wes was able to say, I do know this about your dad and I'm a very logical person and I'm also a body type. So I'm not going to overly become too sensitive about that. And that was something he always did. And they had good talks sometimes where they confronted each other on things. My husband's family of origin didn't give him this. He had other gifts from them. And with my dad, he was able to work out conflicts. And they had some beautiful moments at the end of my dad's life where my husband said to my dad, hey, I want you to know, I know this is probably going to be our last time seeing each other, but I'm going to take care of Krista. And I want you to know I'm a man of my word. And I know that you're probably feeling sad that you're leaving, but I'm taking care of her now and you can trust me. And my dad said, Wes, maybe you are a man of your words. And that was about as close as we were going to get for him to be like, I'm releasing this. And if I get a chance, I'll share a picture of them at that Starbucks meeting, toasting coffee and just, you know, making the best of a bad situation. But it was a beautiful moment for him to say, you're an eight, you don't want to pass the torch, but you're kind of needing to. And I want to let you know it's safe to pass the torch to me now. And I think that's one of the most beautiful moments for my husband's life journey is 
you know, understanding that a father-in-law, even if they don't always like you, they just want to protect their daughter. And then me being able to fight my own battles helped him too to know, hey, if we need to take space, if you think I'm acting out of generational patterns, I want to talk about it with you and I don't want to do that anymore. And sometimes you're more willing to admit that to your spouse than others. But I think that's really important for us to be able to consider it and say, yeah, you know, I am my father's daughter. I am turning into my mother as I get older, as I hear sometimes people saying, or even as I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm more like my mom than I used to be. So we do have to understand some of our in-law stuff or our own parent stuff will fall back on us. And that's the the most important thing we know is that we're not perfect either. So we'll give some grace. But the last tip is one I got from my dad, this bonus tip, and it's opt out. And this is a tip that I share with clients sometimes because I think it was maybe my dad's best advice he ever gave to me personally. I think that he probably understood that sometimes you do have to relinquish and give in. So I said that to him, what do you do in life when you feel cornered, when you feel stuck, when you just relinquish? And he would say, you're going to lose the battle and I'm scared you're going to lose it. And I would say, no, 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 I've got this. And so I finally said at the end, what if you do feel like you've lost the battle? Because now I've gone through, you know, I'm like 38 years old and I've gone through my own stuff. And he said, you know what? There's always a route. There's always something you can do. You can always get self-care and take a little time for yourself, even if you feel cornered in to a situation, or in this case, we can say extended family or in law situations. And it just was so freeing. And that's why I think it was the best advice, maybe for a seven and an eight. But I hope for others of you types as well, listening that even if you're trying to be honoring and loving and you're feeling like, oh, this is going to be a long journey with a tribe I don't feel especially close to, remember, you always have options on that chessboard. And that's, as I've said before, a favorite family game. So it was a very good analogy for me, for him to remind me, even if I'm no good at chess that there's always options for moving in different directions, even if sometimes those moves have to be solo and you need to say, okay, so this is working for you over here or you over here, but not for me. And then just so appreciate any grace your spouse can give because it is going to be a long time together with the in-laws and you've got to understand that these are your spouse's people. So try to love them. And I'm so thankful that Wes did that for me. Even after my dad passed, a last funny story is that there was a machete on the side of my dad's bed hidden for any possible intruders, would be wary intruders, and or my husband and my brother-in-law and my brother were were cleaning around the bed and trying to find things. And my husband stuck his hand down the side of the bed to look for anything there. And then he got cut by the machete. (laughs) It was awful because here I am like in grief and he's like also frozen in grief because this patriarch is gone, even if they did have their moments together that were hard. And he's like bleeding from dad's machete. And we could just hear my dad's voice ringing like, Wes, why would you stick your hand down there? And it was like, but we're like, why would there be a machete with the blade up right there? (laughs) And so, you know, it was awful. And he was so sweet about it. He was like, Krista, I have to go to the hospital. I'm so sorry. I know this because I'm a PA and I could stitch myself, but I can't because it's my dominant hand and I don't have the materials and we're in another state. So here you go. I'm going to have to leave for a few hours. I I need an urgent care. So he was so gracious about it. He's like, it still stings to this day. And we cry and laugh. I mean, in the moment, I think we were crying a little bit, but like we have to do a little of both sometimes because in-law stuff can be crazy. And sometimes it even lasts past their lifetime. So understand that Jen, 
generational stuff can last, but the best thing you can do is continue to grow together and not let it take you down. And like I said, that bonus tip of take some space if needed. So I also wanted to give you guys some type by type information about in-laws because I think that's really cool that I've had so many of you write to me. Thank you again. And also just so awesome that we can see over the years of practice that the different types have told me the best routes for them. So type ones, I want to let you know that it may be hard, but you definitely are going to have that urge to say the other family's ways are wrong or bad. And so what I want you to be careful of is doing exactly that. Understand that there's different ways of doing things and folding the towels and the dishwasher are words that come into my situations with ones and their spouses a lot. Um, And they may seem like small issues, but isn't this true about marriage that the small issues are the big issues? So I do think that that's really important for you to really understand that there's different ways of doing things. Because most people will say, yeah, if my spouse has a bad car accident, or if they have cancer, or they go through a difficulty, I'll be there. But it's like these little things on how we load the dishwasher can totally throw us off. And it can be on the in-law situation that we're kind of poking at the other family and saying my ways, not not just the right way, but the only way. So I think it's more important that you as ones phrase it as this is the way I like doing things. And I know that you guys did things differently and do things differently. And that's okay. So make sure you do say to yourself, I am a person with lots of good ideas and I have the gift of refining as a one, but my spouse is an adult with their own choices and I want to honor the way they do things too. And that is so hard for you ones out there to say, but say it because it will save your marriage, honestly, versus having your spouse resent you or feel under your thumb or that they're walking around on eggshells with you because they didn't fold the towel right. And I love all of you amazing towel folding people, maybe your ones, maybe your sixes, maybe your threes, whatever you are. I'm not in your league and I'm so thankful that Wes has no issues with the way I fold towels because I don't think that I have that particular gift. So all of this to say that be gracious and even a lot of your one spouses do have the gift more than me. So I'm like, okay, you're good. But let's just remember to be kind and gracious to each other's families if we're not the exact same. This is a maturity thing. Compassion usually comes after age 40. If you're before 40, consider this a bonus time for you to learn compassion about others. Okay, type twos. I want to help you to understand that you guys can try so hard to please your extended family and your new in-laws that you can exhaust yourself and weary yourself. And I've heard people say, oh, my new daughter-in-law or my new mom-in-law who's a two, they're just too perfect. And they're always making sure that they give me their old clothes or they adopted a puppy for me or they got me a gift and I'll never be able to be so thoughtful because my love language isn't gift giving. And so I just want you twos to work hard at loving yourself too, not just your family. And especially when you learn to love yourself better, you're not going to necessarily be as manipulative about loving the in-laws where you're like, I need you to do this for me because I won't do it for me. You have to realize, like I said in those tips, that you've got to reduce your expectations for them. They might not be that type. They might have trauma where they're like, I have a personality 
personality disorder. I'm barely getting through the day. Like I can't give to you in the ways you think I can. You're going to have to come out of your bubble a little bit and be in the real world um, instead of us idealists. So you've got to work on that too, to understand that they'll give in their limited ways, but don't exhaust yourself and don't try to manipulate and definitely don't try to keep your spouse from their family if you're just jealous and dealing with feelings of jealousy, which I have felt before too. So I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm just saying really watch for that because like I said, later, that could be a really bad thing. So give them what they want. If their family is safe, try to make compromises, but don't try to take all or manipulate. Type threes. I have a variety here just because there's so many varieties of all the types, right? But threes especially lean towards if their in-laws are decent sort, they will actually really blend in nicely with them and merge with them because they love their spouse so much. Remember, I've told you threes are so kind and loving deep down, even though sometimes we see their wit and their banter and we see that they're very harsh truth tellers at times. A lot of the time, they're actually excellent uh, sons and daughters-in-law because they're dutiful, they're achieving, they try to make things better. And that's one of their many gifts. So if they're already so tough, their feelings aren't hurt as easily and they make great in-laws. So if you have a three in your family, really try to help them to feel loved. They love to be together with their people. So if they're a social subtype, you guys that are in-laws with your three are going to become really close. This is all the more true if they've had a difficult upbringing where they felt like they didn't get very much or that they were coddled. So there's one more possibility, and that is if your spouse doesn't feel loved and accepted by their parents, the three will probably not do that because their main thing is to make sure their spouse feels happy and supported. And if they do, they're going to feel, as long as they don't feel second fiddle, which we're all learning together that you don't want to make your spouse feel second fiddle to the in-laws. They're like, okay, I'm not second fiddle. They really need this person. I'm happy to join up with them too. So when you're doing this threes, don't lose sight of your own family. Don't say, well, they're just a piece of garbage. I don't love them anymore. Or they have to take second place because my in-laws are way more important. And it's not that I think that you guys are going to do that. I just want you, this is why I'm saying it. I don't have a three kid. There's nothing like that for me. Why I'm saying it is I know that threes can be total chameleons and I want you to stand in for yourself here and what you really want to that's going to bless. When you stand in for yourself, people like you better. Honestly, people love you better and feel more attached to you. And I know that's what you want. Fours, I want you to understand that the hate, anger, jealousy, the feelings of inadequacy that pop up and arise with the in-law stuff going on are normal. They're part of this culture. They're part of culture since the beginning of time, frankly, not just the Psych Today research. So honor that you have the feelings. You can't hide them. They're there. Bring them before God, spend some time in worship and release, and then there but for the grace of God go I, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength if you're a Christian, and you can also give yourself healthy self-talk otherwise, but you're going to have to understand that sometimes you marry somebody who really wants you to love their family. And even though you may say, oh man, you really messed my spouse up and I'm really angry at you for this. You're going to need to understand if you take them away from those people that are their people, a lot of your spouses will be less stable. So it's important that you don't do that if your spouse has a good relationship going because that's going to trigger them into unhealthy behaviors if they're like, my spouse is cruel to me and doesn't get me and doesn't understand that there are people. So there, but for the grace of God go I, that quote, 
by we think John Bradford is something that's very important for you to remember because it's so true here that you have to give not just compassion to you and your spouse, but to your in-laws too. And God's mercy is on you and you're doing your best. So when you see a criminal or you see your in-laws, maybe even acting and you're so strong and passionate in your feelings, criminal, you've got to remember doing my best. I have to understand they're doing their best. My spouse wants a relationship with them. They're doing their best and I will do my best to stand in here and you can still retreat. I want you to know as a retreating type, you can still take some time just for you and say, I'm going to go over here. Try not to be sulky, but try to honor your in-laws as best as you can because they did some good things for your spouse. And even if you're like, I missed out on good things, be grateful. Your spouse had some good things that they've brought into the marriage. Okay, fives. I hear this all the time with fives. They really want their outs at the in-laws. They want to go be able to sit in the bedroom and sleep or dream or play on their video games or just disconnect or introvert if they're introverted fives. And so you do have to understand that whatever kind of out it is that you do have a route for them. And remember, they have a relationship to seven. That's not always negative. They do go to seven in stress, but sometimes that doesn't mean they're loud and boisterous. It may mean that they're like, I really feel scared and I need to go collect myself. And I really think that's healthy and good for them. And it also may feel very limiting that sevens want freedom and these fives want freedom in this moment. So you're giving them some options. You're saying, I really understand that sometimes I'm going to go to the in-laws without you. Sometimes I'm going to go with you, but I understand we're going to shorten our visit. Sometimes we're going to drive separately. Sometimes you're going to be in the bedroom. You've got to remember as much as your five, and this seems like the thought of the spouses, contrast so strongly with your family of origin that it's uncomfortable. You have to start doing the work of celebrating your five and saying, this is who my five is and this is what they bring and I'm not ashamed of that they're giving me space to do my thing with you guys and there's a lot of spouses who frankly don't do that very well so find the good things of your five celebrate those and then give them their exits and routes and remember they really don't carry as much energy as most other types sixes I really want you guys to understand that loyalty to your own tribe at first and skepticism toward the other tribe is something that can really be difficult. You're planning and plotting so many possible angles and strategies and scenarios. And I know because I have a six wing that it can be very hard on a family to have you predicting everything. And that's why I really wanted those seven tips first for you guys, especially because that way you can say, okay, is there anything good that we might be missing because we're not giving that other group any time? I've actually seen couples break up for this if you want to do troubleshooting about this six because they've said, gosh, my spouse really took me away from my people and kept con convincing me that it was going to be dangerous for us to spend time or being sarcastic and rude. And it was too much negativity. And I just had to fold in and find somebody else who is more appreciative. So I don't mean to scare anybody. I just want you to understand that I've had sixes say to me later, tell people because sixes are so caring. They don't want people to make the same mistakes as them. So they're actively saying, had I known, I would have spent more time. So you do need to understand that this is a trend. And if you can spend more time, do if they're toxic and you just can't, and you're in agreement about this, don't because sometimes the six will even cut off their own family for the same reason. So it's not this thing where the six is like, I have to have my tribe 
they're all that way. No, if they have a decent tribe, they're happy to be with them. And they may make a decent tribe out to be a perfect tribe. And in that case, they're going to have to make sure that they set boundaries and don't sleep over there all the time and tell their parents all their issues and spend all their time thinking this is my loyal group and I'm testing my spouse out. But they also don't need to, on the other hand, be thought of as people who are rigid and not logical because they can be quite logical. And sixes, frankly, like I said, can cut their own family off if they feel they're not being safe. So keep using your gut instinct as we all can try to do our body work. Try to use your mind, but try to engage your heart to six and make sure you're really leaning into your spouse and their needs. Okay, seven, you guys may not make time for your in-laws because you're so busy planning all the things you want to do. And I've made that mistake as a young woman. I remember my Wheaton College graduation and I was inviting different family members, just the close ones like grandparents and siblings. And I remember one of my siblings said, you know, you really didn't make enough time for us because there was all these friends around. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is something that when I learned Enneagram, it really hit me that I had been in that high social seven place where I was really just having all the fun and all the people and really just sitting and being present with your in-laws is the biggest gift you could give to them when it is time to relate versus saying, I'm checking out to read a book. I'm on my phone the whole time. Or like I said, the big group is here and I'm going to completely avoid because it's uncomfortable. Instead, try to understand they're people of God too. And limited conversation does doesn't have to be full out five hour debates and discussions, but it can be that for a few minutes you focus in on sharing your joy with them and then moving on or making sure that you don't plan for such large groups or when they're coming to town, you're not busy the whole time. So try to not use your rationalization to talk you and your spouse out of relating with them because they'll pick up on that and they won't like that. Okay, so eights, what's so important, and I hinted at this, is that you guys make a fortress that involves your additional people, not just you and your spouse, but understand what I just said. I just had to speak with an eight about this the other day, whose spouse spends a lot of time with their extended family. And we had to look at it together strategically and say, this is important for you guys to know that this is part of your spouse's stability. And so I think that that's so important. And I think with that spouse being a six, that was a great feature for us to look at and say, your marriage is doing good but let's make sure that it's great. And if, if you're angry about this and they're bad people, that makes sense. But if they're just nice people and your spouse really likes to be with them, let's find some boundaries so that it's not all or nothing or that they're getting more attention and laud. But let's try to understand that that has been for their entire life part of your spouse's dynamic and building that fortress together and saying this is one of our walls of protection is that we have good extended family and we have a good marriage. And then also forgive extended family when they hurt you. You don't always have to trust because sometimes trust can't be feigned. I've asked many in eight who I've said, how can trust be rebuilt? And sometimes there's a sober moment where they say it can't. So I do get that from eights and sixes alike that forgiveness is different from forgetting. So I do want you to understand you can still forgive and say, I give them the release. They're humans and I don't trust them, but I do forgive them because I don't want to hold out anger. I don't want my spouse to have to pay. So watch for that attitude of, I always protect you. I always defend you and you don't defend me. 
When sometimes that person's like, I need you and I love you, but frankly, I need the other people in my support team as well. There's a lot of eights who don't do this. So don't put yourself in this box. Maybe there's a different tip you've needed today than this one if you're an eight who doesn't fit this because I'm thinking of some that don't, but I'm thinking of quite a few who do. So please try to remember that as an eight and your big energy doesn't need to take up all the space with the in-laws either, even if you're excited to host them and serve them. Sometimes you have to read the room as an eight And you might not do that naturally because you're in your body and you're feeling so energized and powerful. But reading the room means being quiet for long periods of time and taking in what's happening and understanding your five space a little bit better that you can retreat to and look out from and say, okay, I wonder how I can serve here. And if there's alliances that are unhealthy, how can I help my spouse to see this without dishonoring the other person's humanity? But just say, you know, I love your uncle Jimmy, but I have to be honest He's done some really treacherous things, so let's make sure that we don't share our financial details with him or tell stories about that while he's around or that we watch for our children in babysitting hours with him. And I think that's important that the eight be able to say, this is the truth and we have to look at the truth. We have to see it and be brave, but not to say we have to cut all the people out because we're the only safe two and we have to build our fortress, just the two of us. Okay, nines, I want you guys to understand that as much as you go along with, you're going to need to also try to find your own space, not just as a person who says, okay, going into the turtle shell and I love my safe place with myself where I can tune out to myself and just watch shows and eat yummy treats. That's all well and good when in-laws are being stressful for some of the time. But I also want you to understand that one of the steps for you is to try to get to know yourself even amongst a very big family system. So when I talk to the threes, I'm also talking to you guys when I say get to know yourself. Don't just merge, but get to know what you like and have your spouse help you to figure out what it is you don't wanna do so that you can figure out what you do wanna do. And if your in-laws are taking a lot from you guys, try to say, okay, I'm, I'm noticing the anger, I'm worth it, and I'm going to talk this out with my spouse because maybe my spouse isn't hearing me and I need to repeat myself. And remember, as I always say to you guys, you're so peaceful, people need you to stand in and, and get loud sometimes. And so even if they get mad, that's okay because you're important too. And when you're upfront with where you're really at, then your in-laws have a chance to like the real you. Otherwise, they're just like, oh, she's sweet, but like we don't really listen to her or him because we don't really know them and they're very blasé. And nobody wants to have a magnetic nine have that experience when you guys have the gifts of every single type and you're so witty and fun and joyful and intelligent. We don't want you to miss out. So be brave and get to know them, but get to know yourself too. This is your life's call. And then asking, how can I do that? Another way to do that besides just kind of the process of elimination is the body work is waking up by doing your brisk walks and not giving them up for anything or your workouts. So that's going to be so powerful to you guys. And then if you do have to move away because of in-laws being stressful, or maybe the in-laws need you, like when my mom had a stroke and we had to move back from Chicago to Michigan for a couple of years, it was just one of those things that we both talked about, planned on, and we had family in the same town, so it wasn't a drudgery. It was just a sense of obligation and duty because we wanted to share in the work. So there was a lot of work to do, and we felt like it would be part of our mission in life to be part of that journey. Now, if you get there and then things are so toxic that you need to leave again, that's okay too. 
I mean, I don't want you obviously flitting everywhere because I do love for you to put down some roots somewhere, but I think that it's okay to say, we're going to give it a try or we need to for a certain season of life. But when we're really in agreement, we'll have more peace. So it's worth it to fight things out, even if you need to take space and take some time where you're like, okay, we're going to make sure that we take a half hour each to write out our biggest concerns about our move or our in-laws, whatever it is with regards to your move or not moving. And you guys talk it out and take breaks if needed. Just come back to the table later that day or the next day and the next day and the next day until you get a chance to talk it all out. But if one of you says, I'm weathered, I'm tired, I can't do this right now, then say, okay, but when can we get back together? Because just like I said at the beginning of the episode with the date nights, you have to work out your issues. They're still going to be here when you get back and their life goes forward with us or without us. So if you say, I'm not going to talk about my issues with my spouse and we're not going to talk about how Thanksgiving always ends with a drunk relative or whatever it is, that elephant in the room is going to keep hitting you guys upside down every single year. You're going to be in the upside down like stranger things and you're going to have all these hard times. So you need to make sure that you are brave and address things, but with love. And so when you're moving, just make sure you understand that it can be stressful and that you guys are going to need community. And even with me having moved from social to self-preservation um, subtype, I know how important social is still. I try to balance all three. I just know I still have a proclivity. So I think that it's important for you to say, I really know that we need our space, but these are our bigger tribe. And I don't want us to just cling unhealthily to opposite sex coworkers. So who are our people going to be? And a lot of times the church is a very safe place for that. And you probably heard our recent episode about the work of the church still ongoing, but there's a lot of people in churches that are trying to do their work. Also make sure if you're moving that you don't leave it to one spouse, like, okay, well, you didn't want to be with my in-laws or it doesn't even have to be about the in-laws at this point necessarily, but any kinds of moving, make sure that you share the load. I remember a season where we moved and I thought it would be best for me to travel and take on my kids and think, okay, I've got three toddlers. I'm going to go and take the kids to Michigan while my spouse moves us from one place in Florida to the other. And he later told me that was one of the most difficult days for me because I felt alone in our move as a one. So I was shocked. I had no idea. But I think that's important now that I can be past that. And then the next time we moved, I was really intentional to say, oh my gosh, I thought that I was giving you space because this was so messy. And now I know we could have hired movers. And that was another tip to make sure that you at least consider a partial help hire if you're like, we have little kids or we just have, maybe we have had kids and we have too much stuff. Hire some help, get some family if that's easier, but understand you're going to have to put in the work back with them when, when they're moving if you want anyone to move with you because that's like a huge ask. And I also just want you to remember to share the load because that's something that I had to learn and don't make assumptions. Sometimes your spouse won't say things. They might be a one who feels it's wrong to be angry or a nine who doesn't say anything or a two who's doing all the giving. And there might just be a misinterpretation where when you do talk, I think my spouse was happy to hear. I thought, wow, that would have been kind of fun for me as a seven. I would have put the radio on. I would have made it a party with my friends and we would have moved, but I was kind of with the crying toddlers and all that. So 
I didn't try to be mean. I tried to say like, there's just different perspectives. It's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just different perspectives and we can learn and grow. And now I know like he has triggers and I have triggers and sometimes they might not make sense to each other, but they're there. So just learn what each other's triggers are with in-laws and with moving and get some sleep in both cases. Don't try to take on the world like Superman or Superwoman. You are needed and you are loved. And I just hope that this episode blessed you so much because I know it's a big topic and we did so much great research together. So thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful week and I look so forward to our next time together guys. Bye-bye.